0: brian
1: caram hi welcome back to just ask the question i am your host brian caram and this week we're going to try something a little different just just a little bit different what do you think shall we try different
0: yeah, yeah. All
1: different right. Ability. So uh, this, is, this is different. This is different. So Zachary, uh, my oldest, one of the best interviewers I know, and yes, I'm biased, but uh, I um, I enjoyed very much the Zoom call we did as, uh, w- with a book signing, and so I've invited uh, well, uh, film producer and director and writer and executive producer of this show and my firstborn and uh, <clears throat> out the, out of three boys. So uh, this is uh, one of the best people I know. Zach, it's all yours.
0: Wow. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better introduction, but then again, yeah, I'm my know. father.
1: So, <laughs> Well, you did pay me proper amounts, so That's I did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we gotta got to take you. a commercial break and then we'll come back.
0: Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners, if you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q Podcast. That's J-A-T-Q Podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q Podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your temporary host, Zachary Karam, and I'm here with Brian Karam is it so, me is it really me well that's you yeah so brian uh let me just start right out here because the name of the show is just ask the question so i'm just going to ask the question okay uh, the back. first one is yes well why the hell are you so you know uniquely suited to understanding the problems facing the american media um, and how to solve them why why do we care what you have to say
1: because i'm your dad damn it and you should
0: of course, that,
1: that, <laughs> you know uh, that's that's a loaded question, but you know I know you know, but it's a, it's, a, it's a great question to ask, a great way to start out, and it's true. Why why me? Who who the care? You know who the hell knows? I, I just have been a working reporter since the early 1980s, and so the stuff that I've done, um, I've seen a lot of changes in the last 40 years, and I'm aware of changes that um, some younger members of the press aren't. And most of the most of the public, more importantly, isn't uh, aware of. And I'm not claiming to be a, a you know a genius. I'm just an idiot who stuck around for forty years, and this is what I've seen. So take it or leave it. But you know that's that's what it is. the The thing that we have to keep in mind are the problems, and the problems that I've seen over the last forty years include a um, a, con- a consolidation of the industry, um, uh, the closing of Multiple newspapers, uh, the closing of television stations, radio stations, the concentration of wealth uh, inside their media companies that are have more influence than some, you know, countries do over what people see or hear or read, and um, there's little accountability for those things that go on, and it, it destroys. If you start at the very bottom, the destruction of the community newspapers is where it all starts. That's where most stories start. They become from local to state to federal stories, unless you know they're they're huge events to begin with. But you know, the, a lot of investigative stuff starts at a community level, and I point that out in the book. And I point out, um, particularly like with the Waco incident and the local paper there that was on top of things and had things from the very beginning uh local reporters in Laredo who know the real story on the border people who are there and report stories were losing them because when i got into this business 20 to 24 companies owned 80% of what you see reader here and today there's a handful of companies that own more than 90% of what you see reader here as a consequence there's twice the number of people on this planet is on the day I was born, half the number of reporters. And that's a problem. And the best example of that is when you look at Laredo or look at Louisville, Kentucky, or look at Montgomery County, Texas, every place in, that I've been in this country has a story to tell about those problems. And it's always about how there are fewer and fewer places where journalism is done and how there are fewer, fewer, fewer and fewer reporters out in the field. How's that? That's no, a long weird. answer to that. No, it's a discussion. really great
0: answer, but I think it highlights the point and the very, 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 very good point in that all national stories start local, you know. And I think a lot of Many times, do. I
1: mean, there are some. Like I said, there are some that don't, and it, course, I don't want to overgeneralize. Of but course, I'm right. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but you're actually no, no, you're you're right.
0: Yeah, most
1: uh, most of them. No, excuse me. Stories, yeah,
0: most. Yeah.
1: Uh, and the ones that have the deepest and last, most lasting impact are stories that occur not in one place but in many places across the country yeah absolutely clean water lack of roads anything that's in you know those issues all start out locally and somebody goes you know down the street i I, i'm i run into a red light camera and i have to pay a ticket for that and everybody goes yeah you know it's kind of like a road tax and more and more people start to complain a reporter finds out about it a reporter then begins to investigate what's going on with the uh, red light cameras. They try to find out where the money goes. They find out that half goes to the, the city or the state or the municipality that has it, but the other half goes to a company. And that company is wholly owned by another company. And that company is wholly owned by another one. And that one is wholly owned by the Bin Laden group. I mean, yeah. the, those are actual stories. Yeah. You yeah. found out about them locally. And that's how they begin organically. News is best gathered and is most impactful when it's organically gathered and disseminated to a larger and larger audience where do most of the major stories come from in national news it's always the local newspapers and they're dying
0: i i I know you give a um you do in the book but if you could just kind of briefly summarize what, what you think the roadmap is then to solving some of these issues. Do you know, we start with national law or um, breaking up the monopolies, but yeah, um, that's,
1: that's true. But you're, yeah. you know, I think your approach has to be a holistic one that I suggest in the book that there would be, you know, the president would impanel a commission of industry leaders, legislators, small um, uh, publishers, and, you know, especially small publishers. And more than anything else, small publishers, and then talk to small publishers. And then when you're done, talk to, uh, you know, some small publishers, that might be a good way to start. And when you find out what's going on in the business from the bottom to the top, instead of from the top to the bottom, you can then perhaps help solve the problem. But we really don't even recognize the problem. Americans in this country are convinced there's something wrong with the media. And they're not wrong. They're Right. It's what's wrong with the media. It isn't that it tilts to the left or it tilts to the right. It tilts towards money. And government has made it that way for the last 40 years. In order to survive, these companies have to produce news that you will consume. So it's what you want to hear rather than what you need to see. And until we break that cycle, we'll never you know, fully cure the problem, and then in the book I recognize, you know, at least or or suggest three ways to help clear up the problem. Yes, the most controversial part is, you know, breaking up media monopolies, and then of course you need to reinstitute institute the fairness doctrine at the national level, and then thirdly, I think you need a reporter shield law so that reporters don't have to go to jail when they use confidential sources, and government can't threaten those sources because they won't find out who they are. so there won't be any way for them to engage the Espionage Act to go after reporters. It would only help the, uh, the news process all the way around. So all of that needs to be done. but even more so, going down to the, the community level, we need to enforce governments need to be transparent. And when they aren't, there's a problem. and they aren't and that is a problem. And the reason why they aren't is they can even now in many jurisdictions, publish their own public service and public notice ads. And they used to have to do that through the small newspapers. And that was a good portion of many small papers, news budget, You know, income was from those, or a significant portion of it was. Sometimes it may have been the entire profit of the newspaper, the small ones that are barely surviving. Those are the ones that benefit the most For making sure, and that benefits the community the most because it's always about small community. And you can talk to salesmen and you can talk to lawyers in these communities where you have public notice ads, they peruse them, they find their customers, they find their neighbors, they get to know their community through community and public service and notice ads. And so when we eliminate those, we effectively break down our community. And what's left now in this country, more than anything else, at the top is a very divisive news element right and that you either choose left or choose right and what's really we don't have anything uniting us uh anymore at the lower level because of these vast news deserts where there is no media and if we just concentrate everybody wants it's snowing everybody wants the driveway and the street cleared and guess what everybody wants to you know uh, have a stoplight that works and Paving that works, and clean water, and clean air, and all these things that we hold in common, that, and you know, good schools, and all of those start at the local level, and, th- and we don't build on those because we have no way of informing anyone anymore. And so, what you have left is a very divisive media. Doesn't do the media any good, you know, national media to do a story about uh, the Rockville City Council meeting, but the people who live in Rockville sure need to see it, right? And, <laughs> yeah, and they and they don't anymore unless they tune in online and nobody has time for that
0: no no you're absolutely right um well of course uh, i am i'm no <laughs> well no to the sense too like from from any um you it's know like the younger generations and up you know what i mean like gen z and even millennials a lot of the times a lot of us end up getting news through social media and that's usually all from you know, some national source. It's not like, you know, I don't want to generalize obviously for everyone, but, no, but you're it, right. But you it's know. not
1: just Gen Z and millennials. It's no, no, of course, I'm generation, for- but you are, you are, right. you are, and you are. Yeah, correct. That's true. And um, it, I don't have a problem with getting your news on, you know, on the internet. I mean, we're doing this show on the internet. I have no problem with the internet. Of course. Not, no, I just right. think you cannot it's social media and journalism are two different things. And you know everyone's entitled their opinion. Bloggers can put out what they want. It's just that we should clearly mark what opinions are, and we should value the yeah. opinions of people who have experience in the line of work in which they're commenting. As long as people stay in their lane, I don't need an NFL player telling me about science, and I really don't need to hear a, a, anybody in scientist telling me how to you know defend against a cover two man under with a blitzing linebacker. I, right, those exactly. are two different skill sets. And I respect those people who have the skills in the set, but I don't really care to hear about your opinion otherwise. And I know that's not popular, but I don't give a shit. Uh, I, I really don't. Facts matter. And so I'm, I'm going to respect uh, experience and factual information. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I thought it was that's, interesting. That, yeah, that, that's, I'm sorry, but that's the bottom line problem in the news industry is you don't know how to trust it anymore. And that's because, like you said, a lot of is is uh, produced, You know that are apps and that you all reading and we're reading and we're not even vetting. Sometimes it's like you know you go and figure out that what you thought was a fact was indeed the fantasy of somebody who had a bad pork rind for you know lunch along with some hallucinogens and some very strong coffee. And I'm being kind, but yeah,
0: no, you know. And I think also the problem is you know it's hard to discern what looks for some to you know from what is official or what has been vetted and has people uh you know behind fact behind it fact checking you know the having editors and what is just an opinion because you're right i mean it's not it's not like clearly labeled a lot of the times and there's a lot of it yeah. kind of masquerading as um you know unbiased you know news. And, it's and it's very honest, biased yeah
1: and that's yeah. in the problem is we don't have a lot of you know it used to be yeah, i have five years of experience to go anywhere and then um we have people that were hiring straight out of school for very important jobs They don't have the experience to cover it, and it's because they're cheap and after they're there for five years they're booted out so the institutional knowledge of this um, industry is falling not only because of constriction, which is the main cause of the problem, but also because we're losing experience and we're losing experience because they're getting squeezed out uh, as we constrict and you know that's it, you can call yourself and and I'm fine with people like I said putting stuff online. I'm, I'm not arguing against you know speaking your mind. It's just you know be mindful of what you speak. There's I, I can't tell you the number of reporters when I and you were there. I mean you know yeah. work and they come to me and go this is what I think and I go I don't care what you think. I barely care what I think. What do you know? And when you at, attack it from knowledge and trying to find vetted facts, it's a much more interesting journey. Actually, than anybody's fiction, because you you have to you have to reevaluate what you know and your opinion. It's much like it. I think it's applying the scientific method to communications, which Absolutely. is hard yeah. for for anyone to do. But if you do that, and I you know nobody's perfect at it. I'm certainly not. But if we adopt it as as a way as a means of of communication and gathering news, then I think that. Um, Journalism will regain a footing, you know, in in the and communities and you know our larger communities combined. I just think that it takes that dedication to to uh, vetted facts, admitting your admitting when you're wrong, yeah, and you know, and saying, all right, fine, I screwed that up. And we're all human; we all screwed it up. It's not false news; it's not fake news. Um, it's it's news gathering, and you know, we talk about that before. You've seen all the newspapers I have downstairs that are. Um, like on the Titanic. Well, I was going to say,
0: that's the, yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah. You, get, you get the first one that comes out and says, nobody's harmed, everybody's great, and then, you know, 10 dead, and then, uh-oh, and then 300 dead, and then finally, you know, four or five editions later, you get, you know, the news. And the news is the best news you have at the time of deadline. It It's not the final draft of history. I mean, Titanic, hits iceberg, boom. You can't, can, you know, it because of the opening tele, I mean, at first, all they knew, you know, was what was broadcast over a telegraph. They reported it. Then they tried to gather more information. Then they Absolutely. reported that. And eventually, as you know, and at that time and age in uh, mass communication, it took a much longer time to get all the information, uh, you know, spread out among the public to uh, to do that was a lot longer than today. You can go almost instantaneously live from anywhere on the globe today. Different times
0: yeah absolutely well but to that point i think that there was a respect or i mean maybe not uh but in the sense that at least there would be um you know an understanding that yeah they were trying their best to get it right yeah
1: so when we uh i i'm going to take over for just a second a break for our second block and when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about this i hope right zach well yeah i mean obviously we we have a lot more to go over i just i just took it over to the commercial break
2: and we'll be back Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve.
0: Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your temporary host, Zachary Karam, and I'm here with Brian Karam. He's, Is it uh, me?
1: Is it really me? Can it, we be sure?
0: I have glasses on. You're right. Well, can we really be sure of anything? that's true <laughs> here's the, here's oh, the how there. deep
1: do you want to go how far down the rabbit hole <laughs>
0: uh i honestly i don't even want to go down the rabbit hole no, there you go all right we won't go down that rabbit hole today. Uh, it's a great tangent i would love to but oh absolutely i feel like that's something we can talk about maybe after this but i do <laughs> have a, you know, okay. on the subject of the book okay which, um, you know it has just come out uh, i believe yesterday we have to
1: check our watch for that. Yes, 24 yeah, hours no.
0: You know, I, I'm still waiting on, you know, a few of my uh, hard copies. So I'm excited for that. Anyway, so so to that point, I want to start off with a question because, you know, that is the end of the podcast and the whole point of us being here. And my question is, I want you to tell me about the Knight Rider newspapers.
1: Oh, wow. That's, you know, uh, you asked about that the other day. So I had to go and actually read the book. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I remember what you, to what you were referring because Ritter was bought out,
0: uh, right? Of course, and of that's why I thought it was such yeah. an interesting.
1: But they were the ones, uh, I believe, weren't they? The ones that led the uh, um, uh, the investigation? Yeah, yeah. Um, into the uh, well, hell, you tell the story. You know it better than me.
0: I, it just struck me as interesting um, that up until like fairly recently, there was this um, national or, you know, it wasn't national, but it was like a conglomerate that was focused on a lot of smaller newspapers outside of like the New York times, and the Washington post. And they were the first ones to break the story uh, that the weapons of mass destruction weren't actually that they're, that the, that the, uh, you encounter to
1: every major, yeah. including the New York times and the Washington post.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or, uh, that's what you wanted to get
1: at. And yes, yep. and it was the subject of a, of a very good movie. I think Rob Reiner made, and yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's there's no data, And the, the part about th- that's most touching is I don't know how much longer we will continue to be able to report things like that in the United States because media is more and more controlled by um, smaller and smaller groups of very, very rich people. And that's a that is a huge problem. And I hope we can solve it. And I hope even the very, very rich people, you know, realize it's in their best interest as well to help solve the problem. It's in everyone's best interest for us all to do better. And all of us try to you know, recognize that, uh, although we may be different, we have a lot more in common than we do that are different from each other. And the media needs to include that type of information and show community. And I'm not talking about just feel good news. I'm talking about the simple public notice ads, the, you know, covering a high school sports, Nobody, you know, how many mothers used to cut those damn things out? And people go, oh, newspapers aren't viable anymore. They're not valuable. I can do everything I want in an app. Well, yeah, but, you know, TV and radio still exist. uh, And so do newspapers. And newspapers need to be protected better than they are. There needs to be subsidies, tax subsidies. You know, there should be something like on your income tax. I think I put this in the book where everybody gets a $100 uh, subsidy a year when they subscribe to a newspaper. So yeah. all you have to do is subscribe to the newspaper include that in your taxes and get a hundred dollar rebate off your taxes and that helps under you know underwrite a very necessary uh, portion of our community which is communicating with each other and at the same time it gives them a little bit more independence it's it's only it only makes sense to do these things in order to make sure that there are newspapers i can everything we do here online i can change I can deep fake a video. I can hack the the internet, but newspapers have a value because they look the same today as they were 150 years ago. Once printed, you know, the Bible used to be the biggest mass produced printed thing in the entire world. And there was a reason for that. It gave everyone a standard by which to read the same thing, you know, with the Quran and every other book When those things are printed. Those don't change. Right. You read them and you refer to them for a reason. That's why, for so many years, you know, people had the World Book and the Encyclopedia Britannica, and you still need those things. It's something printed that cannot be changed, and it helps give an anchor in a very ephemeral world.
2: And that
1: that's a needed anchor. Now, I'm not saying it, that you're going to have that's going to be your primary source, but it should be a source. And newspapers can't give you up to minute or up to you know the second reporting, but they can give you depth, and they should. Yeah that's why you need, and here's a big thing, more if we need to subsidize copy editors, the copy editing is atrocious, you know, they used to tell me when I got in, in in this business, hey man, nobody's going to believe you if you can't spell their name, I've seen news stories in major publications where the name is spelled two different ways in the same article, that's, and or is, you know, and or is spelled wrong, or pronounced wrong by, you know, uh, people on television, by anchors, and, you know, again, those things happen, you just have, you should apologize for them and move on not pretend they didn't happen but at the same time you should endeavor to make them happen less frequently <laughs>
0: uh well to that point then oh i went uh, on again i'm sorry i, went on, I rambled no no no. it's very good ramble i like your rambling oh, thank you um, thank you oh you know what so here's what i want to do actually because i do really oh, like right. a lot of the anecdotes in the book um because they're so great at illustrating they're so good at illustrating the points in like such a narrative way and such a you know a way of like kind of uh, for me, anyway, uh, you know, I learn a lot through uh, obviously um, experience. But you have such a way of writing that it feels like you're experiencing it. And so, one of the cool um,
1: man, I like you know, that. I, I got to get you write a review. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't even, <laughs> yeah, I didn't I even pay him for that one.
0: Yeah. Well, to, All right. So, but to that point, that leads me to my question. And in your book, you you literally quote a wise man, uh, and you say jur- who said journalism is always about bringing up information people want buried. Otherwise it's nothing more than propaganda. So can you explain this, this quote? I actually heard
1: that the first time I heard that was God years ago. I don't even remember. I think it was high school journalism class. I have first heard that and I've seen it as recently as six to eight months ago on the internet as a meme with some woman holding the sign up, you know, that says something along those same lines. But the truth of the matter is that journalism is a pursuit of vetted facts. It's, you know, I, I, I can't put it any better than Sam Donaldson did. And Sam wrote, you know, one of the things I guess we should mention, I want to mention, by the way, is that Sam Donaldson wrote the the foreword for this book. He was, uh, he's been one of my mentors. He's one of my favorite reporters. He's always been straight with me. He's never bullshit me, you know, and I, I really appreciate that in, all, in, in people. And I, I wish more people were, you know, like that. But he was very good at what he did when he did it. He was the quintessential white house reporter. Um, and he said he got that way by, you know, following Helen Thomas around, who was another one of my mentors and the first person I met when I first walked into the Brady briefing room in 1986. And, uh, I have told you this story. She, she recognized, um, me as a carom mm-hmm. or, or as Lebanese more, you know, more accurately. And, <laughs> uh, like then came to found then came to find out that she knew my uncle David, um, and some other members of the family and that, uh, she was from Lebanon. And so we, we got along pretty good, you know, but, uh, she made me a great Lebanese dinner the first day I was at the white house. And I'll never forget that. And, um, and Sam was always the guy who said, you know, Brian, uh, take a look at that first row in the Brady briefing room. Uh, there's seven seats. There's more than 200 years of experience. And then he looked at Helen and said, and she's got 200 of them. And, and then she said something smart to him. And he said, you know, uh, Ellen it's okay to have an unexpressed thought and she said yes Sam when it comes to you have many unexpressed thoughts and I've told that story many times but that there's a it also illustrates a point that there was a lot more experience in that briefing room and in the White House press score back then than there is now Uh, there's just no denying that and I think that's um, you know sad so to the that was the long answer to your no absolutely Well, it leads not- me
0: to my next one Actually, something yeah. i wanted to bring up earlier how do you think that the obviously the issue with um the lack of experience now in the white house press room you were saying is um because everything is treated not uh, it, it, as a business rather than as um you know with the priority on making money rather than disseminating information but do you feel that the reporters that are in the White House, like is is I think I asked you this before, but the ethos of the place, do do they see themselves as the guardrails of, um, of uh, well, of our democracy?
1: If if they do, they're doing a horrible job. A, do you think that's not
0: being taught? A, I mean. Or- it,
1: uh, well let me go through it so a it's e- e- when there's an either there's also an or it's either they they, they think they are and aren't or they don't e- um, i think b is you know there's no thought really given to that i mean um i don't think that's anything that really even figures into many people's minds and, and i'm not and i want to say everybody because there's some people i really respect yeah absolutely. But there is an overriding feeling that um, we just don't know what the hell we're there for. And it's, uh, you know, and uh, with, there's some great, brilliant exceptions to that. But institutionally, I think that's an overall problem. And I think that's an overall problem, not because of the people there, but because of the business models and the guidance from management above the reporters in that room. To fault the reporters for that, is, you know, like, oh, no, here's, here here's one that's going to piss some people off, faulting reporters for that is like faulting um, immigrants from going over the border, you know, they're, I'm sorry, but there's a part that's true to that. It's you've been manipulated by the system. It's more of a symptom
0: of rather than the cause. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Exactly. Thank you. Yes, yeah. it is yeah. more of
1: a symptom rather than a cause. And the cause is, is uh, government and business.
0: Yeah. 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 And when well, that goes back to what you're saying, what I, what I really, you know, really dug about the book is that, you know, like obviously you, you, you know, you lay out the problem and you lay it out very clearly, but also you do offer this solution and it's, it's cool because it doesn't, you know, it feels like a really big problem. And I feel like a lot of people feel like it feels like a really big problem. that's going to be really hard to solve and it's going to take a very long time and it doesn't feel very tangible. But what's so great about the book is you offer very tangible advice that I think that anyone that's in this industry, you know, can take and to every day step by step make it better, and you know that's like uh, that's really the beautiful part about the book. And I know. I'll tell me it's not. It, so. Tell
1: me I'm self-serving. Let's get a fight going here. <laughs> just tell me it's self-serving, and I did it to me, you know. I'm,
0: yeah, it's trash. It's, it's trash. absolute trash, and uh, I absolutely hate it. No, but my point was, I, I just wanted I I because I want people to read it because maybe maybe it's just me, but it it, was, it made it so clear to me the issue and what we need to do to solve it. And um, so what do you see
1: is that, so you read it, let me ask you, yeah.
0: what do you see as, as
1: the biggest issue facing the press based on what you read in the book?
0: Based on the book, it seems clear that it's the, um, that the news media industry, the companies that own them are in it for profit rather than for, I, you know I guess the higher you know purpose which is you know inherent in business so you it seems like you can't fault them at, at large but what you really do in the book is you show that if we had the proper government oversight that a uh, you know a functioning uh you know de- democracy should and where we provide this more as a public service not you know in some sort of socialistic crazy way but in a way that it's just a it's a standard that we should all expect as citizens, you know, in the wealthiest, you know, our our wealthiest country on the planet that, you know, we can all be informed and we can expect to be informed from like a a trustworthy source. And that's, you, you make this really cool uh, case. And that's what, at least it comes off to me that we can do it. The problem is that it's unregulated completely right now. And everything is just like clickbait. Everything is cash for, you know, that's what it feels like. And I can become, you know, I
1: don't, I, I don't decry does that answer. Does that
0: make sense? Yeah, yeah it
1: does make sense. I don't decry ownership and I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. I, I think uh private ownership of, of media is fine, but it should be limited with, with capitalism, though it has been tethered to it. And I think I say that in the book. Yeah. And I, if, if we had, um, you know, it's been Bagdikian, as I pointed out in the book, you know, who said that, uh, you know, we need a true diversity and ownership. We yeah. don't have that diversity of ownership in the media at all. And I mean diverse, diversity of, it's not just diversity of race, creed, and color. It's diversity of thought and a free area where, you know, you can uh, expose some of the BS that um, floats around because uh, it, you disseminate it a little bit more. You, you diffuse it a little more. You, you make it less uh, seeming like it's a majority, um, you know, this overwhelming minority Communication is a good thing. Bottling up communication is a bad thing. Bottled up communication. I think we expanded the communication. Um, and that's the one thing that I w- does give me hope is the internet. I do believe that it can be a force for change for the good, but we've got to grow up as a culture and we got to do it right quick. And, um, you know, nobody's perfect, but if we just started to agree on facts, uh, we might have a better shot of making it through the night.
0: Do you think that it, it, it will include more of a hybrid, where you know, obviously, the the internet is not going anywhere. But if anything, it's going to keep evolving and keep integrating itself into our lives. But that we as a society should make a endeavor, or we should endeavor to, yeah, like subsidize and and prop up these. Well, you said uh,
1: hybrid. Let me address that one first. Well, I'm saying
0: uh, in the sense that we have both so that we do have the content. Yeah, I know yeah, I know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think
1: um, hybrid newsrooms are inevitable. Inevi- inevitable. Uh, you know, they are inevitable. And yeah. um, it depends, again, on how we use them. And then the biggest change, of course, in how we conduct business has occurred because of the, you know, the pandemic. Uh, but we should never, as reporters, be comfortable distancing ourselves from those with whom we communicate. So we Even need if they
0: disagree with you or obviously.
1: Well, we need a community environment. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I made mention of house yeah. earlier as as a, you know, as a joke, but in that very popular show it was a, you know, community room in which ideas were thrown around and they found a mutual solution and that's the best way to describe the show in, in in micro what we need in macro in a newsroom. Uh, newsrooms need to exist as a fully functioning area where people have their say, one of the beautiful, what a lot of people forget about newsrooms when I got in them was everyone could hear everyone, everyone commented. I mean, that you couldn't. And, and the thing was, is no matter what the story was, there's someone who's interested in it. There's someone there, you know, their head over your shoulder, or there was someone actually on the ground reporting on it. There'd be somebody on the phone talking about it. And it, yeah. that, the thing is with so many people involved, this process only gets better and there's things about being close you know like attending things in public like oh i i watched the you know the white house briefing on on, uh, c-span so i know what happened there no you don't you know what you saw on television and those who make the mistake of thinking that what they've seen on television is is the sum total reality are really not with it that's not it at all and, you know, there's there's head nods and winks and something rolled across the floor and someone got up in the middle because they got a phone call. There's things that you need to take in that you're not going to take in the comments from the, the crowd that may not be heard, the questions that were asked but not answered, uh, the things that happened outside the window when while you were there. You don't know unless you are there. And so uh, we need to respect the people that actually show up and do the job. And that includes some of the people I disparaged earlier, some of the younger people, but, you know, some of the inexperienced but they are there. They just need to be better experienced observers, but they still have a value over the people who weren't there, who think they saw what they don't know. So we'll be right back right after this.
2: In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth with Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast.
0: Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your temporary host, Zachary Karam, and I'm here today with Brian Karam. I think we're related.
1: No, well, no, no, no. In fact, you are related. That's it. That's, <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't deny it. You're screwed. I don't
0: think it. I know it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, yeah. So to that point, I did want to ask you what oh. we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, was, you know, Or actually, or point out and then ask you about it, because I thought it was, I actually to be honest, when I first read it, I was a little bit surprised, and then I thought it was actually a very brilliant take on the issue, and it was, we were talking about the social media, yes, I know, and I'm kissing your ass, but, you know, oh, uh, go ahead. the idea, though, is, is, is very cool, because it's, um, I think, no, it's I right. don't
1: like ass kissing, but I do love it when I'm right, No, right, so, <laughs> so to
0: that point, so let me get to it, so anyway, so to that point, um, and you talk about how up until this point, the the, uh, the tendency for the, the national news media or like the big conglomerate news media toward the social media influencers that have bloggers that have been doing you know reporting on the ground is is to ignore them, pretend like they're not there, you know, and, and kind of treat them as not not a part of it. And you argued for and bring them into the fold because they're there on the ground and they do have all these. Uh, followers and but but bring yeah. them in and then bring them up to the journalistic standards that everyone else I, or that these big guys have
1: the bloggers aren't going away they, no, exactly, know, they, exactly so yeah. you might as well instead of disparaging them at least try to get them within acceptable norms so right you know because some of them do come up with some pretty interesting knowledge absolutely and they have a very different
0: perspective sometimes
1: yeah, yeah absolutely and
0: they,
1: that needs to be vetted but see, yeah. I, I, I said, you know, the, the old joke is uh, what's a journalist, but an out of work reporter. But really the difference between a journalist and a blogger, when you get right down to it is at least you got a copy editor, someone who's reading the copy with fresh eyes and That's can true. say, hey, what's the and reads it with a critical eye, not to, a, to approve, but with a critical eye going, all right. In, in, in fact, to be looking for holes in the story and make you tell the story better. That type of editing uh, needs to be done for uh, bloggers to be taken more seriously. Of course, that's one of the same arguments I use for why uh, newspapers need to hire uh, copy editors because they're putting articles on the internet now today without them being copy edited, and then going back if they get a chance and copy editing them, and uh, that's not good either. So uh, the lines between the bloggers and the the you know the mainstream press is blurring and we need to make sure that if it's going to blur we get everybody on board and try our hardest to be our best instead of uh instead of you know the lowest common denominator let's try for a little little higher let's <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah hey, um, it's, it's all a, all a all thought you know i i know it's a wild it's, it's one a
0: thought. It's, it's a good thought it's a, um it's a wild one i'm in it so moving on I do have a couple more questions for you. Um, All right. Then I have one for you. All right, well. we'll, All right, go ahead. To that point, what Uh, I wanted to ask you was, what what is the, uh, can you talk to me a little bit about the national shield law? Why we need one? And what what is it specifically? um, Well, shield law is,
1: as you know, um, was, it protects a reporter from having to give up a confidential source. There are, most states have them they're wildly different in uh, how they're written and the uh, protections that they give. And Mm -hmm. some are much uh, tougher than others, much more strict than others. In Texas, where I went to jail for keeping a confidential source four times, there was a a shield law, but it wasn't very strong. And uh, law enforcement was able to to walk around it. And, and so, as a matter of fact, was the American Civil Liberties Union. So I, I don't know if, well, not that, but there were some lawyers that represented the defendants in the case who had worked for the ACLU. So let me, you know, I, I don't want to overstate it, but um, I thought it was funny at any rate. And they were great guys, nothing against them. And <laughs> Nothing. I sat in court, my favorite day in court was when uh, the defense attorney said, um, you know what did my client say to you, and what did he do, and blah, blah, blah. And I looked at him and said, "You have far." He goes, "I like to." Ha- I go, "I like to ask a question." He goes, "You don't get to ask the questions around here." And the judge said, "Well, you know that's true, but I, I think I'll let the question come on out. What, what's the question?" I go uh, to the uh, defense attorney. I said, "You have far greater access to your client than I do. Why don't you just ask him what he told me?" And and he said you don't get to ask the questions around here. And and the judge said yeah, but that was a pretty good question.
2: They <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> well, still sent the me to jail.
1: They yeah. still sent me to jail. But they at least I, you know I took it in stride because they they respected the question. Yeah. That's all right. I ever want is respect for the question. I'm fine. <laughs> Disagree, agree, I don't care. Throw me in jail, but damn it, I I was very happy I asked a poignant and pointed question so i'll live with it what happened afterwards so anyway uh yeah <laughs> absolutely so uh, we got off
0: topic again
1: um no, 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 that was but, uh
0: you know well i was asking you about the shield law and yeah and, so
1: i mean the shield law at the at the end of the day you don't want reporters to go through that you want they and so sources, what, what protection it, does it, it offer it, it free without the ability for a reporter to say to a source i will use your information but not give up your name or who you are, as long as the information is valid. If we lose that ability, we lose the real ability to gather news. And
0: that's what that offers, that protection?
1: Yeah, and that's what uh, a shield law should protect you from doing, is giving up the name of a confidential source. And government may not like who the source is, may not like the story, but it's got to be sacrosanct. You're going to get some bad with the good with that, but at the the end of the day, it's going to be better- than what we have now, uh, which is the spreading of more information. There are, you know, sources that are afraid to come forward. Um, Think about and some people would like to think about never having heard of Watergate. But (laughs) but the truth of the matter is we all needed to know about Watergate. It's the difference between what we want to have people hear and see and read and what people need to do uh, in the public interest. That's why I draw the line. I, you know, that someone asked me once about ethical lines, um, and I here's one. I don't really care what you do in your private life unless it has something to do with your public life. Uh, you know, you can. I, so if you came to me and said, "I'm marrying my lamp post," I'd say, "Mazel tov." I don't care. Uh, that's uh, it's just not an issue for me. So, I, I and I, I would much rather look at where public funds go, public policy um authoritarianism democracy those are the issues that i would rather look at than where you're you know spending your nights and who you're drinking your wine with unless those have a direct impact on the other otherwise it's just your private affair so there you that's go that's a good point
0: oh, that yeah so um, i don't
1: fashion that way i don't give it down and that goes back and i'll tell you that story all right so that's and i think this one is, may or may not be in the book but um uh, i was speaking with um James carville who was uh yeah yeah the, yeah for Playboy I did the Playboy interview with him and, and we got off a plane and I remember we were in Oregon and he said he may be one of the few people in the United States who didn't think that uh, the president at that time Clinton had uh relations with uh Jennifer Flowers which was the rumor at the time right and and I just remember him shaking his head and talking like that and you know it just tickled me to no end and I, I love James great guy and he just didn't believe believe it, and I I looked at him. And I said, James, you may be looking at the only guy in the United States who doesn't give a damn. And you know, he's telling me I'm looking. You're looking at a guy who doesn't believe it, and I'm going. You're looking at a guy who doesn't give a damn. And that, that's how we were able to get along. I think uh, on some level is because I just I didn't care because it didn't it wasn't there were was too many other things like universal health care though what they tried to introduce. The Clintons didn't it failed
0: miserably and. There was, you know, much more. Right, there were other people covering that, and that that wasn't. Yeah, and
1: yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, look, if that's what floats your boat, if you want to read about that stuff, fine. But I think there should be as much or more effort uh, put out by reporters to get the other information.
0: Right, the policy and information, and the actual yeah, stuff that's, that actually is affecting a that doesn't That
1: also doesn't sell that well. So, you know, people are as much to blame as the reporters, because we'll sell you whatever in the hell you want to buy. And if you wanted to buy top quality journalism i guarantee you you'd get top quality journalism but because we can sell you a stripped down Good. chevy at half the yeah. price you're going to buy that yeah instead of the top of the line caddy you're going to buy the stripped down chevy
0: then it's just the, yeah i mean it's economics i think at that point you know really it's, and it's much and more it's all about like,
1: entertainment yeah and that's exactly. right it's economics right. and it's entertainment and they'll sell you false narratives because it it we buy them yeah, and, and we believe slogans. And that was one of the things that was warned about. And that, go back and, you know, for those who want to look it up, you know, um, remember the uh, McCarthy scare and what happened on yeah. CBS and who was the guy who brought him down?
2: Some, Edward R. Murrow. Murrow. Oh, Edward R.
1: Murrow, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Edward R. Murrow, 1958, made a speech before the RTNDA, Radio Television okay. News Directors Association. And during that speech, he said that if we don't get better at communicating with people we're going to reduce ourselves to speaking in and believing propaganda now that that was pretty prophetic and that was what you know 1958 so you're talking 64
0: years ago yeah 64 years ago yeah and he
1: saw the handwriting on the wall then and that's what we're dealing with today and the sad part is as many people don't know because they were born after the change and cannot see outside of that bubble or some don't want to you either don't want to or are unable to or are unable to do something about it. So I, I'd like that to, you know, change if possible and get some changes done. And that was the purpose of the book, as you pointed to earlier. That's one of the things I did was try to propose some uh, ways to change things and make it better.
0: So t- just quickly, I wanted to talk then about. You got two- one more and then I got yeah. one and then we got to go. All right. So this is just real quick was. So, you, you know, you talk about people that weren't they were born outside of that bubble and you're talking about the bubble of time after uh reagan or starting with reagan uh, yeah i think that's
1: a good and, place to start at the and that's well, as, as you start and with the before. book and, yeah
0: you know but that's you also right. point out that there was no i was gonna say you point out that there was no golden age of journalism you know it's always had its issues and it's it's always kind of struggled against you know the the, the power balance of, of government and and and. but it's just been recently that corporate interests have been left unfettered and it's been allowed to Ex, you know well, over the last 40 years over the last so, 40 I mean, years exactly be, so That's kind of
1: what I yeah. and, and if you want to go even further back than that I mean it really did it really started with Richard Nixon's southern strategy The this is what the corruption of Nixon led to where we are today and Roger yeah. Hales and the corruption there and then uh, Ronald Reagan co-opting him and actually putting in uh, to effect rules that he wanted that, that uh, Ailes wanted, and he aided and abetted ales and tearing down the, you know, the, uh, the rails and the, and the guardie, uh, the guardrails of, of American journalism. So it's, it'd been ongoing for 40 some odd years. And so you'd have to be at least, you know, 47, 50 years old before you would realize what it was like. You had to be cogent and aware of what was going on back right. then. Right. And, and not just a, an infant to have experienced it firsthand and remember it, and then you have to be able to com- contrast it with what you've got today. So there are a limited number of people on the planet that are old parts like me that you know ha- have seen it, and that's uh, and it's worth the firsthand experience of that is worthwhile to take into consideration. You may disagree with me, it may uh, agree with me, but the experiences that I've had are genuine and upon which I base the reflection I have on our business and what we need to do with it. And I don't think that. Um, Yeah, I'll take criticism of it, but I'd like to hear from people that have had the experience that I've had, and then I, you know, and then I feel like I'm talking, and that sounds as prejudicial and as uh, elitist as ever, but I'm sorry. I I, want to listen to people of experience, and I really do want to see some healthy change in our industry, and I wish people would consider it. Just take a sober consideration of what's going on and see if we can't do better.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think it, yeah, absolutely.
1: And so, I,
0: you know, I don't know. At the it's end of you know me. I mean, it is, but you well, know, well, all I was going to say is that I I know you and I, I have had many, a you know, a conversation with you, but I, I'm in. And the, we don't
1: agree on everything. All the we don't time, agree on everything. But you do
0: take into consideration what I'm saying and you do respect my perspective. But I think that starts with, uh, you know, that I also try my best to respect your perspective. And so. I think all my whole point is that that's a job of a really father to be that, we need, into a son. Well, no, but no, I'm saying you make a really good point. Why we need the perspective, why we need yeah. the, the, the years of, um, you know, of, of experience and perspective, but also I think that, you know, you, it's, a, you, you, also make a good point in the sense that like if the younger generation can learn from that and can understand it and respect it, even if they disagree as long as we're not ignoring the actual, you know, the information and the, and the truth of the perspective, then I think we can, you know, do better in the future is, is my point, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, th- I have much more hope uh, for your generation the than, than mine. It's, you know, getting older, but um, I, the simple fact of the matter is be fair. Don't, you know, try to do your best, correct your mistakes. Um, and you don't I'll always have to get on your high horse and, tell me what you feel just tell me what you know and everyone can make their own decisions based on knowledge not on emotion yeah very spock-like mentality and with that we're going to close but i do have a question for you all right all right so i just want to know what did you feel when you got what well, i mean you only have a rough cut of your movie but didn't it feel didn't it feel good to get that rough cut done
0: did feel good it's going to feel much better, better when it's me. completely done but completely it does done. feel
1: good to you feel a sense of accomplishment right that you got I, do. Of- I
0: feel that and i feel your plug and i like it and i thank you <laughs> no but <seriously, laughs> and the name yes, of the movie is the name of the movie is Moya and it's a uh it's, a, it's an interesting term it means nostalgia for a place or time that you've never experienced and it's uh, i'm just gonna go right into it and tell you a quick little yeah. snippet about it. it's a sci-fi romance and i sounds crazy but there's um i I feel like it's very interesting because it's well i like the story yes and it's about a you know a, a young woman in the 2060s that is um nostalgic for the past and she's in love with the 2020s and you know she uh in that time period she finds uh uh, essentially the, the the memories of a of a man at, that was alive in the 2020s who was obsessed with the future and really wanted to go to the future and, and so that, one of those, gonna,
1: yeah we don't want to give too yeah. much away but that's where it starts
0: okay. yeah, No, no that's we're it yeah that's all, that's all i was going to say there's an ironic you know uh, whatever the fucking and freak and then, um, and, then they, and
1: that's going to be out soon and you uh, we'll talk more about that when it gets closer yeah
0: whenever it comes out we've got some cool yeah. people in it and and it's actually i'm really proud of it really excited we did it right and uh it be you know, yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah asking about that. And Appreciate then
1: it. meanwhile, the book is called Free the Press, and it's now you can get it at you can buy it at independent booksellers if you want to yes. help out independent booksellers. I recommend it. And of yes. course, you know, it is available on Amazon. And if you go there, go there and buy it too, or buy it at the at the store, mm-hmm. or you know, uh get the uh what, what else can we get? We don't have audio oh, yet. Buy one, buy two, that. buy three, Kindle. buy some for your get <laughs> you, So get it on Kindle, get it on. And of course it's called free the press and it is about what we've been talking about for the last hour. And yes. I want to thanks, uh, you know, my, my thanks to you, Zachary, for doing this. Uh, my, yeah. my oldest who thanks has for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being had. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> it's it's a tough room, but no, it's uh, always was, it's always fun. It's always fun through. to talk to you because you, you, you know, you get it. So I like that. Me too. So that, that helps. Yeah. It's always fun to have a good uh, conversation about stuff that matters. So yeah, um, with that being said, the name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I'm going to take it back now. I am your host, Brian Keram, and we'll catch you next week. Zach, thanks again. And Thank you very much. Fun.
2: In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth, with Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast.